What is up, everybody? This is the Sharp Angles podcast. My name is Raymond Summerlin. Thank you for listening today. I am excited to be here with my good friend, the the Swami of Konami, as I as I will continue to. That might be the last time we podcasted together, Rich. Actually, where I learned that you are the Swami of Konami, Mister Rich Rebar. How you doing, Rich? Ray, what's going on? Yeah, we haven't uh, done this together. We've been on podcasts uh, on the feed, but no, this is our first show together in like a month or so. So it's nice to catch up with you. And we're going to talk about some some pass catchers today. I like that we have to act like this is when we're catching up as if we weren't on a two hour meeting together <laughs> yesterday. It's this true, is, it's no, true. This is this is the only time Rich and I actually talk to each other is it's here when we're, <laughs> when we're recording uh, this podcast. So, so there you go. Um, we have a lot to talk about today. We're going to continue our look at the positional rankings. You know, both Rich and I are part of the positional rankings team for the Warren Sharp 2023 football preview book. And so we're going to talk a little bit about wide receivers and tight ends. We rank those units together which creates some interesting situations as we're going to talk about. So that's what we'll get into today. Before we get there, though, I'm going to do some ads. I'm going to get these out of the way. But because I'm excited, Rich, I'm excited about what's coming down the pike. The first thing, the book that I just mentioned, Warman Sharp's preview book, is available for pre-sale right now on sharpfootballanalysis.com. It is the best preview book. Rich and I are putting a ton of work into it this year. We're both excited about it. Make sure you go and pre-order that at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Also on sharpfootballanalysis.com is the Fantasy Football Draft Kit. Another thing Rich and I are putting a ton of work into, and we're excited by what's coming up. Rich is going to be releasing his tiers for redraft leagues next week. I'm going to start releasing my team preview series next week. We're going to start with the Cowboys on Monday of next week. We're going to go through all 32 teams with a detailed write-up for all of them with its stats, advanced stats, and all sorts of things in there. So I'm excited by what's coming up for that. And what's really exciting is you can get the draft kit for $1 with our promotion with Underdog. So go onto our website. You can find the promotion. You have to be a new Underdog user. You have to deposit at least $10. All of the instructions are on the website. Go and check it out. But we are excited about the draft kit. We're excited about what we're doing. And uh, we'd love for you to, to be a part of it. What else do you have coming, Rich? I know the tears are coming, but you're really excited about some of the July stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, I always like, I mean, usually 4th of July is where it starts to really feel like football season for me. That's where I get to start writing up a lot of the league-wide trends. We're trying to kind of skate to where the puck is going a little bit. I know you hate that analogy, the hockey analogy with the football. Uh, yeah, I don't know what that is. I've never heard of hockey before. <laughs> but uh, I love looking at all the the things like where trends of the league are going. And, um, you know, then they get to talk about some like game theory and things like that. We're just not always talking about, you know, hey, is Rondell more good or bad? Do you like him? Like, I, I like some of more of the nuanced conversation that surrounds fantasy more than just talking about individual players and what we think they're going to do. Yeah. Um the Rondell Moore, the great Rondell Moore debate. That I don't know why his name popped end. in my head out of all the people I could have chose, but for some reason he did. Well, I mean, I have I have Rondell Moore takes. I mean, if Colt McCoy is going to throw it five yards down the field, then that seems to be good for Rondell Moore, I'd imagine. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't know I had Rondell Moore takes, but there they are, right yep. at the right at the top of my head. But this isn't actually going to be a podcast about fantasy. We'll probably hit on it a little bit because we are talking about wide receivers and tight ends, and Rich are. 
Rich and I are who we are. So there you go. But we're more fascinated by the real life implications of these groups, these pass catching rooms, and trying to rank them, trying to look at, okay, what are these situations act actually? And then maybe try to project forward, where might we be, where might we be going with this? And the first place we wanna start is Kansas City. And the reason we wanna start in Kansas City is because in this exercise, we have grouped wide receivers and tight ends together. And there's probably not another team in the league that has a wider discrepancy between where we would rank their tight end room and where we would rank their right wide receiver. Yeah, absolutely. And it's tough to find that balance. When you look at the Chiefs even last year outside of Travis Kelsey, and it was literally the Travis Kelsey being the largest cog in the passing game wheel by default with them, you know, moving on from Tyree Kill last last offseason. And the rest of the guys were kind of just like a sum of parts. I mean, when you look at the Chiefs wide receivers, I mean, they had one guy had had what four touchdown receptions. I mean, just nobody really yeah. had any like strong games outside of them. But when you look at it from a top down stance, like from like a yards per out run and production they got on an efficiency basis, it was still good because Patrick Mahomes is good. So they're like a really unique it turns out that guy it turns out that guy's not bad. It turns out that he could elevate talent a little bit, right? So they're just a really hard group to rank because we actually probably like some of the players uh, from a stance like, you know, could Kadarius Tony be good? Could Sky Moore be good? Could Rasheed Rice be good? Maybe. We don't really know, though, if any of those guys are actually really any good as individual talents on their own. We know Travis Kelsey is good. So they're kind of a unique team to kind of rank in this exercise because if it was just wide receivers and we were just ranking wide receivers, they would be very low on my list. But the fact that you're adding Travis Kelsey in with them pushes them up to at least, I think, like in like the top half or top third of the league. Yeah, and that's the thing is that you have to – I actually ran into this a bit with a team we're not going to talk about with the Rams, yes. which like Cooper Cup is amazing. He's one of the best wide receivers in the league. But how high can you actually push that team up given the rest of the talent? This isn't as bad as the Rams, but – it is a similar situation. You mentioned, and I think what Kansas City has done here is they have built a lot of upside into this receiver room. If Rasheed Rice comes in and hits, then this looks a lot better. If Kadarius Toney can stay healthy and establish himself as more than just a gadget player, then this looks a lot better. If Justin Ross comes back and shows the promise he had before injuries really took its toll in college and then forced him to miss his rookie season then this you know looks a lot better if sky Moore improves from hit being actively bad to just kind of bad then then this room this room looks better but like the people that are going to be starting like valdez scantling is just he's one of the least efficient receivers in the league that was true even with mahomes last year he is he and justin watson are classic wind sprinters and the other guys that are probably going to get playing time you are it requires projection and mm -hmm. i mean i'm i'm worried about rice i like rice as a prospect but i worry about what that transition is going to look like and if he's going to have a very similar rookie season to what we saw from sky Moore last year for different reasons or different style of players but they're both making big jumps from and maybe don't aren't maybe aren't as prepared as some other wide receivers might be so you put it all together in this receiver room if at the end of the year we view this and, and Rice hits or Moore hits or, like I said, Ross hits or Tony hits, you would go, oh, this is, you know, we're back to the Kansas City offense and all of them are going to be elevated by Mahomes. But right now it's tough to it's tough to view them as anything but one of the worst wide receiver rooms in the league. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you look at the Chiefs, too, the way like a lot of these rookies, we've gotten 
hot and bothered from like a from like when we put on our fantasy hats about these guys going yeah. to play with Patrick Mahomes. And also you you know, similar to a, a team like the, the Bills too at Josh Allen. We get excited when rookies go to these teams, but both these teams have really slow played their young talent. Uh, you know, you look at Sky Moore last year, like the opportunity was there for Sky Moore to be a contributor as a rookie. And he never really cracked significant playing time over guys like, you know, MVS or Justin Watson uh, as injuries kind of happened. And so even a guy like Rasheed Rice who could hit, like how much real year one opportunity is he, is he really going to have? Right. Uh, That's where all the projection kind of comes in. You know, MVS is going to be out there getting his, uh, you know, wind sprints on. He's going to run his, he's going to run his 900 routes with a lot of cardio, a lot of cardio out there. I mean, he's staying fit. He's getting paid to do it. So uh, I I can't blame him. You know, it's interesting you mentioned the Bills. We also weren't going to talk about them today, but there was a there was a kind of blurb from a reporter about Shakir, Khalil Shakir coming in and making making some noise in camp. And that's inter- that's another one of those interesting ones because I mean Gabe Davis, Gabe Davis was the MVS of the Buffalo offense, you know, last year with more success. I'm going to be nicer to Gabe Davis and he had, he had an injury, but you know, there was a, there was a lot of inefficiency going on with Gabe Davis as well. And still Shakir didn't jump into that lineup. They brought back Cole Beasley instead of giving Shakir snaps. So it is interesting. Like you, like you mentioned that these teams, maybe because of how good they are, are hesitant to shove these guys right into big roles. It'll be interesting to see, if Rice can kind of get over that. And I, you know, if we're taking it to a fantasy conversation just for a second, one of the more interesting rookie draft conversations to me is Rice versus Jonathan Mingo. And the Panthers don't plan to be good at all right now, probably. I mean, they are in a division they can win. They have a good defense. We'll see what Young does. Young is the type of quarterback you would think could come in and immediately be good, right? So maybe they're going to be fine, but maybe they're more willing to play Mingo because their expectations are lower than the chiefs will be to play rice mm-hmm. because of, of what their expectations are. So it's an interesting point. Another team that's actually very similar to the, to the chiefs in this regard, although I think they are in a better position at wide receiver are the Baltimore Ravens. They have Mark Andrews, but they've actually made an effort this year at wide receiver drafting Zay flowers, bringing in Odell Beckham. We'll see if Rashad Bateman's foot will cooperate. Uh, early returns aren't, uh, great they're not feeling good right now but there we are so how how are you viewing this this baltimore situation yeah i mean you have to be kind of excited just because we haven't seen the ravens kind of really fully invest into lamar jackson into this offseason not only just his own contract but really the only thing they've done since they've drafted lamar jackson is draft hollywood brown right they, they did draft bateman two years ago but they kind of slow played him as a rookie it's he's had injuries hasn't been on the field I love Rashad Bateman so much. I hope this isn't a thing that we have to deal with uh, because that's the problem is we all love Bateman. And then every like that, whatever that he got an injection in his foot a few days before we're recording this. And we're like, Oh, here we go again. Cause he's legitimately a good football player. And in both years of his NFL abbreviated samples, like he's shown us he is an actually talented football player. Now we need him to stay on the football field. But if you look at Lamar Jackson, since the Ravens have drafted him with Lamar Jackson on the field, they've only had four players run more than 500 pass routes with Lamar Jackson on the field. They're Mark Andrews, Hollywood Brown, Willie Sneed, and Devin Duvernay. The next guys are the next guys are Miles Boykin at 419 routes, Nick Boyle at 398, Patrick Ricard at 376, and then yeah. Bateman's actually eighth. 
on the list of routes wow. run. So this is the first time in Lamar Jackson's career he's actually got like more than Mark Andrews plus another receiver. And no matter what you think about Odo Beckham where he's at, and I don't think the expectations for anyone are really high. But I mean, Odo Beckham's a lot better than Willie Sneed, and then Zay Flowers coming in as a first round pick is a lot better than guys like Miles Boykin and Devin Duvernay. So you put all of it together with Mark Andrews, with Isaiah Likely, who showed out uh, when he got opportunities as a rookie too. This is bar none, objectively, the best pass catching core the Ravens have ever put in uniform with Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and I think that I'm glad you Willie Sneed, man. That I didn't know that one. I I had names that Boykin was in my head uh ricard the the goat ricard was in my head but willie steed that one i i did not i did not you know i did not have that one in my mind i still have those fond new orleans saints willie steed memories though uh we'll always mm-hmm. have we'll always have new orleans willie i mean but, patrick ricard you got a fullback a top seven in routes run <laughs> yeah but he's the best so it's fine he's 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 used check light so i think I think it's interesting with Zay Flowers. You brought up Devin Duvernay because Zay Flowers to me seems like he could be a good version of Devin Duvernay. And they've been able to, obviously we have a new coaching staff now, but Jackson did have a bit of a connection with Duvernay. They, he has had some production. And so I like that part of it. You know, we've already talked about Bateman. He needs to stay on the field, but I think you and I both agree that if he stays on the field, you know, last year's efficiency numbers, I take those with a big grain of salt because two long plays really played a lot, a large role in that. But he was good as a rookie despite missing a lot of the offseason program. So I think if he could stay on the field, he's probably going to be good. Odell is a big question mark, you know, coming now a year, a year off at his age, but he was coming good. His, his, final games with the Rams, obviously in the Super Bowl as well before the injury. And there's a difference so, of putting yeah, this Odell in as a contributor and then putting Odell in as a focal point. Absolutely. You know, and I think that that's true. What I'll say about this room is it requires projection, but I feel better about the projections here than I do for, for instance, Kansas City's receiver core. So I'm not sold. Like, I'm not saying that this is definitely going to work out but I feel better about the projections. And that's why I had Baltimore higher in this exercise, even though, I mean, I think we're both taking Travis Kelsey over Mark Andrews. I just like the project. I like what, what this Ravens receiver core could be. And I feel better about it actually becoming. Yeah. Because we're still with the chiefs. If you look at the players on the chief side, outside of Kadarius, Tony, you're, you're talking like guys there, you know, second, third round picks that were kind of, you know, hoping hit. Whereas like the Ravens, like this, these, all these guys have pedigree as prospects, you know, Bateman was a first round pick flowers, the first round pick Odell obviously was a first round pick. So from a, like a perception of what these players were entering the league, the, the perception is these are a good players where with the chief side, it kind of takes a little bit more like, are they actually good players? Yeah, like even with Rice in his draft capital, which is good draft capital, that was that kind of draft capital in a lackluster receiver group. Mm-hmm. You know, in a in a different year, he's probably not being drafted that high. And so, so yeah, I think that that's a that's a good point. When I started to do this exercise, a team that I did not expect to have as low as I ended up having them was the Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. And I I kind of think about that situation. You know, they have Amon Ross, St. Brown. They have Jamison Williams, although obviously he's going to miss the first six games. But you kind of look at that situation, and it's it's not pretty, right? 
No, outside of Amon Ross St. Brown, it's again, you know, it's not really that great. It's very top heavy. And even Amon Ross St. Brown, you know, as good as a player he is, like we need his actual role to continue to manifest in the NFL. Uh, You know, he gets compared to Cooper Cup a lot, but we have yet to see him get like targeted down the field like Cooper Cup does. And maybe that's still coming. Uh, We have to wait on Jamison Williams, another player that, you know, I'm excited to see what he can do in the NFL. Uh, we have to wait another six games. They bring in the ghost of Marvin Jones back. Uh, Josh Reynolds is kind of going to be another contributor. Khalif Raymond. And to be fair to the Lions, they did get contributions out of these guys a year ago, even with Amon Ross Khalif Brown. Raymond. Khalif Raymond was quietly good last year. Like, I'm not saying that he should be. Those Josh Reynolds, the weeks Amon Ra couldn't play, like they got production. So give Ben Johnson some credit, you know, the system that they're running. And the Lions were second in the NFL as a team in yards per route run uh, in the NFL. So they they have a good system here, even surrounding the talent. Uh, I do love Sam Laporta, but obviously I'm not going to elevate a rookie tight end as like this core contributor. So yeah. we love Williams, we love Laporta, but like right now we haven't seen any NFL production out of them. Like the Lions are a team, like if one or two of those guys or both those guys do end up like popping this year, like that's a team when you look at it holistically from the top down at this doing the same process next year, they would be a lot higher. Absolutely. Like that's the thing is that if Williams comes back and hits, and I have questions about that, not because of Williams, although I mean he obviously has not proven himself either. He wasn't healthy at the end of last year, but it it is still somewhat concerning that he was used in the way he was used, I suppose. But either way, I, I feel very comfortable that Williams is probably pretty good, but he's joining an offense quarterbacked by Jared Goff, who doesn't like to throw the ball down the field and hasn't been particularly su- successful at doing it. Even last year when he was, you know, Goff was playing well, he wasn't particularly successful down the field. Uh, His off-target rate on those throws was 33.3%, which is 22nd out of 33 quarterbacks on throws that traveled at least 20 yards down the field. I don't know how – so I don't know how that fit works. You mentioned Laporta, and there are a lot of reasons to like Laporta. I know you love Laporta. He was Iowa's passing offense. You might look at the counting numbers and think, oh, well, it wasn't that impressive, but then it's roughly a third of their entire passing offense went to – Laporta last year. And so I think a player that was used that way, you can have some more confidence in them hitting as a rookie than you might with other rookie tight ends, but he's just a rookie tight end. And so I think your point on it is right. If this all works out, we're going to, they're going to be higher next year because they're going to have two really good young receivers, especially if we can start seeing Amon Ra used more down the field, which is what we really want to see. That's the next step for him to really, to take the next step at into the elite tier of receivers. But if it doesn't hit, then we have Amon Ross St. Brown and Marvin Jones and Josh Reynolds and Kelly Freeman, even though they they did well last year, they're still at best number four options. And there's not really a ton there, you know. So our next one on the list that we had here were the Saints. And you know it's funny, we keep going through this. This this is uncertainty. What we're talking, the reason we picked the teams we picked, I didn't really know. We just kind of threw out names. We were texting together. Eh, who, who are some people you want to talk about? I think every single one, except maybe the last one, every single one was all about uncertainty. Because when you look at the Saints, that that's it. I mean, you look at the top of the depth chart, and Chris Olave is good. I, I think both you and I look at what he did last season with Andy Dalton and think, okay, this guy is good. He is that his season last year is comparable to what we saw from Jamar Chase, from Justin Jefferson, from AJ Brown as rookies. 
And he did it with Andy Dalton in that passing offense. And so I am very confident in that. Behind him, though, is Michael Thomas. And if we had 2019 Michael Thomas on this team, we're going to feel really good about it. But there's there's just no way you can trust that that's what we're going to get out of yeah, the Saints are a team as I was writing them up for the book too, because you look at their actual production last year and it was really good on a per play basis. Even outside of Olave, who had the high yards per out run, I mean, they had Rashid Shahid and his limited sample, you know, even at a higher yards per out run than Olave. Obviously, he ran half the number of pass routes and probably would have we have seen that even out as a full time player. Uh, but they got a nice little uh, production out of Juwan Johnson in a breakout year. He got a two year contract extension. They still have uh, Michael Thomas floating around down there. And I don't think the Saints are really counting on anything from Michael Thomas, but whatever they get out of him is like a bonus at this point. And we saw through three weeks last year, like he was still a, a pretty solid receiver when he was able to play last year. Obviously, we didn't see him again after the first three weeks. That's been an ongoing problem. He's played 10 games the past three years. But when you look at it, it's like, all right, those three guys, they can fit together pretty nicely. They draft A.T. Perry, like a, just a vertical downfield guy, uh, prototypical X guy that uh, could play just a role. Uh, and then you've got Juwan Johnson, Taysom Hill. Uh, and then they add Foster Moreau. And it's like, as as a core group, like, it's, it's not that bad, but you're just trying to figure out individually outside of Lava if there's, like, really an individual talent. Um, and it's kind of interesting to see if Derek Carr can actually perform to the level of Andy Dalton. The Saints obviously think so because they let Andy Dalton go and sign Derek Carr. But if they can get the same production out of Carr, they got out of Dalton. I mean, this was a, a really hyper-efficient passing game, a lot more efficient, I think, people – for uh don't realize looking back at last year and the saints uh coming into the season i mean they've got our number two projected passing schedule this year like could this be like a better passing game than like we're counting on right now i think it could be i'm actually for that reason if we're going to take it to fantasy pretty high on Olave, even as his price continues to creep up i'm still very comfortable with it for that reason but the second reason and you brought up the names i like juan johnson i i think what rashid shaheed did in limited sample last year is interesting. And I'm interested to see kind of what what comes of that. You know, Taysom is obviously there. You do have to mention his name because we'll, we'll see. I mean, we got another, we got well, another about camp pass report. catchers. We, we got another camp report about him being used all over the field uh, earlier this week, right? So we're back in the, we're back in the Taysom Hill game. But none of those guys to me are real needle movers. Mm -hmm. Like they can be fine. And if we're talking about, you know, filling out a pass catching group, I think that that's fine. This team needs a number two, an actual number two wide receiver. I think they need Michael Thomas to be a really good pass catching unit. And that doesn't mean they can't be a successful, a successful offense. That doesn't mean they can't be a good passing offense, especially if Derek Carr is able to, to bounce back from what we saw last year. Maybe they're not going to ask him to throw down the field as much. They might actually play to Derek Carr's strengths. Uh, and unlike what we saw with Josh McDaniels. So I could see all of this coming good and Derek Carr being being back to more what Derek Carr was. And I could see this those other guys, Johnson and Shahid and those guys doing enough. But if I'm going to view this as a actually good pass catching core, I think they need a second option. And I just, there's no way to trust that Michael Thomas can be that. You mentioned mm -hmm. Michael Thomas three game sample. It was you know, he he was productive, but his underlying numbers weren't great. And they were definitely not what we saw in 2019 because that's never coming back. And so 
when I view this situation, I think that it's pretty lackluster, even though, like you said, there are a lot of guys in here that are like, oh yeah, that guy's fine. That guy's fine. Yep. It lacks that, that pop at the top. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I had them and I have them, you know, 24th still, it's like more promise, but they just, they're an interesting group that when I was looking at some of the numbers, I'm like, man, the Saints passing game was really good last year. Like, could it be good again? Yeah. It's going to be interesting. You know, if they're able to, I think use Jamal Williams the way they want to when out and Alvin Kamara is able to play, you know, we're still waiting on that, uh, which if we could just make a decision NFL, that would be good for, for all of us, but the, no, they're you know, not, we, not we don't know they have to listen. It's we're direct. This is the second year now we're direct. Is, are we going to be having the same conversation? Uncle Roger ain't making uh, any choices until his feet are to the fight flame. It's it's the worst. Like if Kamara comes back and they're able to use him the way they probably want to with Jamal Williams, that signing kind of indicates to me they want to get back to using Kamara yes. the way they used him previously. Then that adds to that pass catching group as well, and then that starts to kind of move you move you up the list. But I mean, if Thomas hits, this is interesting. If he doesn't, then you know I'm kind of like, all right, we'll we'll see what it is. The only team I think we had on our list of five that we wanted to talk about that I don't really have a ton of uncertainty about is the New York Giants. I just think that it's bad. It's yes. all bad. They have a thousand slot receivers. They have nobody except for Darius Slayton to, to, and Jalen Hyatt, but he's also a slot receiver, and we don't know what his transition in the NFL will be. That actually wants to play down the field. Like This collection of receiving talent, and I use that word loosely, is... It's fascinating. I have no idea what they're trying to do with this group. Like, none whatsoever. It's the weirdest group in the league. That's why I wanted to see what you had to say. And you're saying the same things that I wanted to say. Uh, we're just trying to figure out what's going on. And, you know, as I'm trying to sort through the ambiguity of this situation, uh, who's going to play, right? Like, I don't even know, like, what the no. starting like, like what the, We know Darren Waller will be on the field. But between we, while we're waiting on Wando Robinson to come back from his ACL injury – uh, where will Paris Campbell line up? Will Sterling Shepard be on the field? Will it be Isaiah Hodgins? Will it be Darius Slayton? I I don't know. Is it just be like a rotating door of players, and they just hope that like it all adds up? I'm trying to figure out from a team building stance like what the plan was. Um, obviously, you add Jalen Hyatt in here too. We'll see how much he plays as a rookie. Obviously, he's the one guy that kind of does something different than some of these other guys. But just trying to figure out where the pieces are on like a play-by-play -play basis are for the Giants, and I gotta, I have no no idea what's going to happen here. None whatsoever. I think Hodgins will probably play unless you know we finally get the fabled Colin Johnson breakout. I think Hodgins will probably play because he is the only player that offers on this roster that offers that particular size mm -hmm. skill set. He, it, it's him or it's nobody else. Except for, like I said, the fabled Colin Johnson, who I'm not sure actually exists. I we're gonna hear about him every trading camp, but I'm not sure I'm not sure he actually exists. So we have, you know, Hodgins probably gonna play. Other than that, I mean, Jalen Hyatt's so interesting to me for a couple reasons. The pick of Jalen Hyatt. First, he is probably he played almost exclusively in the slot last year at Tennessee in his best year. You already have Paris Campbell. You already have Wandale Robinson. You signed, but Jamison Crowder is on this is on this team, right? Like you have all of you have all of these guys. Where are you going to play Hyatt? Are you going to try to move him outside? If you do, that makes his transition that was already going to be difficult from the Tennessee offense even more difficult. And furthermore, does Hyatt even fit with Daniel Jones? Like Darius Slayton is 
a deep threat. He entered the league as a deep threat. That's what he was. And we've seen that go away as he's transitioned to playing with Daniel Jones, who was 29th out of 33 qualifying quarterbacks in the present of passes that traveled at least 10 air yards last year. So I guess all of these wide receivers fit with Daniel Jones, but then you draft a guy that doesn't probably need to play in the slot. We already have a lot of players and, and might be the only wide receiver, at least we'll see what Darren Waller does might be the only wide receiver that really offers you a ton of upside. And again, I just don't know what, what the plan they would have been to me better off getting Cedric Tillman, right? The other Tennessee wide receiver that at least gives you some size that is at least giving you something you don't have and play on the outside. Even though I like Hyatt better as a player, I just don't know. I don't know where he fits. I don't know how any of this fits together. And it's really just like, if we're talking selfishly from a fantasy perspective, it is very frustrating to try to figure out. And the answer is probably none of them, right? The answer is probably none of them hit. We get as many targets as we can out of Darren Waller before he gets injured. And then this offense is Saquon and Daniel Jones runs or busts in the second half of the season. Like, does that seem like the most likely outcome? Yeah, it does. It feels like it's going to be, like I said, a sum of all parts uh, between these guys really just trying to figure out, like I said, who's going to be on the field play by play. Um, it's very hard to diagnose. And you know, like I said, from a team building stance from the off season, cause you had a chance to maybe make some moves if you're the giants and you know, they, they did it. And it's, it's a very unique process here because obviously you're not going to win all these one score games like you did last year. You're going to have to throw the ball a lot better than you did the year prior. And you're not really providing Daniel Jones with the weaponry to really accentuate that. The other teams kind of stick out to you. I know we just mentioned these five. One that was, was high for me was Miami because we rank wide receivers and tight ends. Together. Oh yeah. Maybe because they, I mean, the, Miami's Miami's one wide receivers, right? That's maybe not one, maybe two behind Cincinnati. Right. But they're, they're high in the wide receiver, but the tight end situation, I, I don't know what the tight end situation is in Miami. Do you know? Cause I, I I'm very confused. I assume it's like it was last year, non-existent, uh, no team through the ball tight ends at a lower rate. Uh, at least Mike McDaniel, like for year one of like, he, he passed the sniff test of like understanding, like get the ball to your best players. And that's what exactly. gives me some of the confidence and ranking like them high, obviously not from a talent perspective, Waddle and Hill, cause they're excellent. But Miami showed us that even with nothing really around those guys, that we're going to still, we're just going to pump the football to them. Not a lot of teams always do that as much as you would think. Um, but I will say if one of those guys were to miss like a, a section of time, you know, we don't want that to happen, but then they're counting on some guys that, you know, are, are pretty thin behind them. You know, I took a lot of heat because I suggested the team needs that they probably should add more depth. And, you know, I don't know if Robbie Anderson, uh, Cedric Wilson or Braxton Berrios uh, is, is an answer back there. Yeah. Um, sorry. Chosen Anderson. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Is, yeah, is it, cho is it chosen Anderson, Robbie chosen? It's hard to keep up with what uh, Robbie with a Y had, Robbie with an IE. It's, it's a lot, a lot to keep up with here. He has had a very interesting name journey in the NFL and I'm, I am team call call everybody by whatever name they want to be called by. So chosen is his name. That is what I will be calling him, but he's had a fascinating name Jersey, a name, a name journey in the in the nfl for sure yeah because we had the ie and then we had the y and now we're at chosen so we'll see we'll see how it goes any anybody else kind of stick out to you any other teams stick out to you as just really interesting situations yeah there's a couple i think the chargers are still really interesting i have a hard time ranking the chargers 
uh, just because, you know, when you look at it, it's like Keenan Allen, when you, cause I did factor age into some of these guys. Like when you talked about the Cooper cup situation, not only do the Rams have only Cooper cup, but it's like a 30 year old Cooper cup. Yeah. Like, you know, so I think that, that there's fragility there. And I think with the chargers, there still is fragility, even with them adding Quentin Johnston. I mean, I think you and I both like are, there's volatility with Quentin Johnson in the first place. Yeah. How much does he even have to play a lot as a rookie? You know, Keenan Allen's age, Mike Williams' age now, he's going on 30, both their contract situation, which doesn't factor into this. But, uh, you know, Gerald Everett, what a, what really is Gerald Everett? Like, they're a team where you like you like it for Justin Herbert and they're putting more talent on the field than they had a year ago. But, like, do they still have, like, a true number one long-term wide receiver? Do they have even a true long-term wide receiver, too, there? There's a lot of fragility, I think, with the Chargers. They're a team that's that's hard to rank for me. Yeah, and like you said, we both have questions about Quentin Johnston. I think we both think he could hit. The upside is definitely there for him to hit, but it is it is. I think it's a swing you have to make if you're the Chargers, but sure, <laughs> it's an interesting projection. Is is what I would say about about Quentin Johnston. The size he is, the type of player he is, just an interesting projection to try to see see who he is. I do like the. Uh, who is Chris, who is Gerald Everett? Because I feel like that's a question fantasy players have asked for a decade. <laughs> who is who is Gerald Everett? One that was interesting to me that stuck out was the Jaguars, who actually had ranked relatively high. I think I'm an 11th or something mm -hmm. like that. And I do like what they have, but there's a lot of downside in in that group simply because they get Calvin Ridley, but Calvin Ridley hasn't really played in two years. And we don't know where he was an older prospect coming into league, right? Uh, if I'm, oh, was that his brother? Was his brother the older prospect? I can't remember. That might not be true. But either way, he's older than maybe you think he is. Maybe he's older than I thought he was. He's been gone for two years. I don't know what Calvin Ridley's going to be. And then there are other guys that you feel good about, Evan Ingram and Christian Kirk, are coming off career years. So if they take a step back, if Calvin Ridley isn't who he was, who we remember him in Atlanta, are we are we overrating this group? I think there's a chance that we're overrating this group and we feel, we feel worse about it at this time next year. Well, I'll say this about ranking all the teams. I think once I got past basically the Bengals, uh, I, everyone still needs more at the position. Yeah. Like every, like, it, you know, and I'm talking like after top five, you know, looking at this, like, I feel like we, we just talked about Miami, like Miami, I feel like even in the conversation we had, they need more. Uh, the Jaguars need more. The Ravens, even because they, they could use more, right? Like everyone could use more pass catchers. And this is unfortunate. This was probably a draft that was one of the weaker pass catching groups. Um, you know, I haven't been on a show with you or even picked your brain behind the scenes. Uh, do you have a Bretton Strange take for me? Uh, you know, being That's... the Penn State guy you are? Yeah, I think that Bretton Strange was. So here's the thing about Penn State tight ends is. Even the really good ones, like Fryermuth and Gesicki, they're not used as much as I think they probably should be in the passing game. And I think that Brenton Strange falls into that as well. I think that he had more to offer as a pass catcher than what we saw in college. And I could see him. There's another guy that's still there, Theo Johnson, that I feel very similarly about, that he could end up being a more effective pass catcher in the league than he was in college, simply because of the way the Penn State offense works because it's been quarterbacked for over a half decade by Sean Clifford. Again, I'm so happy you made your money, Sean Clifford. I am still deeply confused by that draft pick. So yeah, I think that there's there's some upside there for him. And especially if you're questioning 
what Evan Ingram looks like coming off of this career year. Maybe that's their fallback is that Strange can come in there and be probably a better pass catcher than his college numbers would make him look. Does Is that kind of where you are? Yeah, I mean, he was a guy I'm definitely intrigued by the athletic profile. Obviously, anyone that played in that passing offense at Penn State the last couple of years, uh, it's hard to take their actual counting stats yeah. with, <laughs> uh, at face value. I mean, with they, same got thing, sec- they got a second one, too, which is funny. They got Parker Washington, too, which Parker Washington is a that's right. Parker <laughs> Washington is a he is good. And he like he should have and we'll see. He probably would have been a higher draft pick if he would have been able to test, he had injuries that didn't let him test, but he has the same exact issue of, well, he's playing with, with John Clifford and it hasn't, hasn't been allowed to shine the way that he probably should. So yeah, sorry to interrupt, but I just, I have to mention Parker Washington. That guy is good. I like Parker Washington a lot. And it'll be interesting to see kind of where that goes too. I really just wanted you to uh, justify my selections of Brenton Strange in these tight end premium drafts in the third round. That was really all I was looking for. Uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, I think when I think when you look at these teams, though, in this exercise that we do of ranking these teams, I mean, I mean, everyone needs pass catchers in today's NFL, and even the the ones that are the haves could use some more. Absolutely, and I think that, and I mean, and we see that with you know, we see that with teams that we think are in are in decent spots going out. Like, I mean, if you have Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson, you might not think that oh, you're in a bad spot. And what did Minnesota do? They went out and spent a first round pick on a on a wide receiver which they needed to do right even with kj osborne i think we think kj osborne is fine but if you yeah. can have that upgraded number two wide receiver spot then that's what you want to do and i think that yeah this is becoming an arms race for receiver we had a few years in a row there that was loaded the receiver class i don't know i'll have to ask ryan mccrystal what next year's receiver group looks like this year wasn't as such a good one and so it's going to be interesting to see you know it was tough to get better this year at receiver. It'll be interesting to see how these how these situations, you know, play out. But that's it for us. We appreciate you listening to this point. Um, as I mentioned at the top, a lot of stuff coming out at sharpfootballanalysis.com. We have the preview book for more on Sharp, which you can pre-order. We have the draft kit, which is already live. It's got rankings. It's got projections. It has dynasty rankings and dynasty tiers. The redraft tiers will be coming very soon. The team previews will start up very soon. Everything you need to get ready for your fantasy draft is in our fantasy draft kit. So make sure you go and check that out. He's Rich. I'm Raymond. And we'll be back to talk to you soon.